Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast, the show where we take all of the latest news, gossip and events in the world of Formula One and we relay that back to you for your listening or viewing pleasure, depending on which platform you choose to follow us on. And of course guys, a huge sporting weekend across the world has just uh, inve- well finished off for us, if you like, depending on where you are around the world. So many huge talking points for so many different sports, whether you're a boxing fan, of course, a huge fight between Anthony Joshua and Alexander Usek, ending in favour of the Ukrainian quite emphatically. So congratulations to him. And of course, we had a few big, massive games in the English Premier League. Of course, as you can tell, if you're watching this on YouTube, that I am a rather happy bunny, if you like, as my team did the business against their local rivals. So uh, (laughs) it's happened again. And of course, we had the small matter of the Russian Grand Prix, which, um, needless to say, brought so many headlines for so many different reasons. But of course, the first of which we have to mention, of course, is Lewis Hamilton, as expected, I think, for some of us, but it did seem a long time coming, has finally got his 100th Grand Prix victory in Formula One, an unprecedented record that no other driver has ever achieved in the history of the sport. And joining me on this episode to talk about that and the events going on in the Russian Grand Prix, what a crazy race it was at Sochi, one of the Probably the most enjoyable Russian Grand Prix I think we've ever seen in the sport. And to go through that is my co-host, Mr. Courtney Pine. Now, Courtney, of course, mentioned the weekend of sport. A really, really huge one. So many huge talking points. And, of course, the Formula One race, by no exception, has plenty more to go through as well. But uh, what are your thoughts on, first of all, Lewis Hamilton finally getting that 100th Grand Prix win? I mean, it's an incredible achievement. Something that we've never seen before in the sport. And if the regulations for the future have their way, we may never see again. I mean, how incredible is that to say? Well, first of all, I'd like to express my disappointment in you because you didn't mention Macau Antonio's late winner away at Leeds. <laughs> right? Go on, right. So it's been a good weekend for us both in in the with the football. But yeah, with Lewis, it's been a long time coming, hasn't it? You know, he's been on win 99 for a while now since Silverstone. Um, obviously, incredible, incredible statistic. Um, I don't think he's done just yet. Um, I, I do, I, I do feel that Max could possibly one day catch up with Lou. I really do believe Max is exceptional. You know, I reckon Max could do it. But you know what? Enjoy it for what it is now. Simply incredible from Lewis. And you know what? The circumstances in which he won the race sort of summed up you know, some of the great achievements that he's uh, gained throughout his career. Yeah, absolutely right. And of course, um, yeah, I, I do apologise for alluding that part. I mean, you know, West Ham are absolutely doing bits this season, so I should acknowledge that. But um, 
yeah, I'm just going to enjoy the day for my team, of course, as always. We don't often get days like this at the moment, so it's really nice when you can enjoy something that good. Um, that being said, of course, you're absolutely right with Max Verstappen. At such a young age, he's achieved so much in the sport already. And, um, you know, it's, it's absolutely possible that Max could go on to achieve similar heights to Lewis Hamilton in the future, as bold a claim as that may be. People were saying the same thing about Lewis Hamilton. You know, how bold that might be to assume he'd go on to achieve things like that when Michael Schumacher uh, had won seven world titles and 91 Grand Prix. No one ever thought anyone would get anywhere near that, let alone Lewis Hamilton. I remember there was a time when Sebastian Vettel had won his fourth world championship. People were wondering, would he go on to emulate such success? Of course, that never happened. But um, that's just how it goes in Formula One. You can never really say never. Someone will always step up in an era and, you know, really stake a claim to those records. And Lewis Hamilton has not only matched the world championships and could go on to beat that at some point, but he's absolutely setting a new height for that illustrious bar that only himself and Michael, and perhaps in some regard, only himself has really ever attested to. So no, massive congratulations to Lewis Hamilton. It has been a long time coming, of course. The Silverstone race seems like such a long time ago. I think it was back just before the summer break. I think it was like June, July time but he won his last Grand Prix. So he really, really needed a performance like today. But that being said, of course, it did not come easy to him. And you got to say, of, of all the incredible achievements Lewis Hamilton has had in Formula 1 and all the incredible race wins that he has had, this was probably one of the more fortuitous for him um, than he probably would have liked. But at the end of the day, what counts is who crosses the line first. And that was once again, Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, I, I feel the experience of uh, not only himself, but, you know, the team winning the amount of championships that they have, you know, that vital call that they made at the end, that's what made the difference because, you know, things could have turned out very differently. I think Lando Norris, in terms of pace, hadn't covered. You know, I think it was going to be, I do feel it was Lando's day. But unfortunately, Mother Nature had other ideas. And, you know, as pleased as I am for Lewis, I am equally as gutted for Lando right now. Yeah, you just want to go up to him and give him a hug and tell him everything's going to be okay. I mean, I can't pretend to understand what Lando would have been going through at the end of that race when, you know, you've got to kind of just soak up all of the misery and emotion and how gutted he must have felt being so close to victory and it just being snatched away from him from a, because of a moment that he made a decision and ultimately it it went wrong. You know, he, he gambled and it came up, it didn't work out for him and it worked out for his opponent who obviously went the other way. Um, I mean, talking about Lando Norris, of course, commiserations to him and the McLaren team. It was an incredible performance. Once again, of course, um, after their first win in best part of nine years at Monza, it looked very likely that they were going to get another one. And of course, like London buses. Yeah. So you wait nine years for one and then two come at once. And the, unfortunately this one just didn't really come or perhaps he missed it. Whatever you want to put towards the analogies up to you guys who are you listening. Um, but yeah, it, it must be said, it's kind of hard to look back on this race and not feel Lando Norris it really is I mean this is a driver who has been absolutely exemplary this season other than Max Verstappen you could argue has been the driver of the season for most parts and it was a day where he was you know almost unbeatable you know he he did an incredible performance in the McLaren a very very strong car it must be said but certainly not a car that you would expect to be challenging for race wins week in week out and he drove the race as if he was like Lewis Hamilton who had won 99 or 100 Grand Prix beforehand 
Um, not like a driver, certainly, that was on, you know, in good position to win his first race. So, you know, with all that being said, Courtney, I mean, not to put the knife too far in on this, but um, how much do you feel Lando and McLaren perhaps will come to regret this uh, missed opportunity um, in the nicest way of saying it in the weeks to come? Do you feel that, you know, with Lando being quite close at Monza and obviously being extremely close today, that it could knock his confidence going forward? Or do you feel that Lando will be able to soak it all up, deal with the disappointment now, and then come back two weeks' time for the Turkish Grand Prix and then just hit the ground running, as he has done so often this season? I think if anyone should be kicking themselves, it should be the team. Um, Obviously, Lando made the decision to stay out. But at the end of the day, Lando is only 21 years of age. you know, And I just feel the team needed to step up and make the call there. You know, they've got all the data. They've got the radars. They they needed to make the call, like we saw with Mercedes, you know, because Lewis refused to come in the first time, but they gave him the stern information. If you don't come in now, the rain's going to get heavier. You're going to lose this race and listen to him the second time round. And that's what McLaren needed to do for Lando. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. Um, I think with Lando's uh, confidence, I don't think it should take a knock at all. I think before the, um, before the rain arrived, he's showing all the hallmarks of somebody that it could be a multiple race winner or a possible championship winner in the future. So he knows he can do it. He knows he, he now knows that he can manage a race from the front. Mm. He hasn't had that experience before. You know, this was his first pole position. And he dealt with various circumstances because this race, we had all sorts of strategies going on. So Lando had to deal with all sorts of scenarios, obviously losing the lead to signs at the start. So he had to deal with all sorts. And he's still at the front towards the end of the race, having a seven-time world champion behind him. And the only thing that got in his way was the uh, was the rain. So it can take so much from this. Obviously, he won't be feeling that way tonight. But going forward, these experiences are going to help him win many more races in the future. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a really, really good point. And it kind of brings us nicely to this sort of debate, really, over not necessarily who was at fault in terms of why McLaren didn't win the race today, but that key decision, that key moment in the race where we had no idea whether the weather was going to come down and it would require them to take the intermediate ties or if it was the way that it was for a little while before it eventually did when certain parts of the track were slippery and wet and you kind of had to take caution but the rest of it was dry enough to allow you to feel that you could stay on the ties that you are. I mean, I guess we've got to kind of put ourselves in Lando Norris's shoes in this uh, scenario where he's four laps away from winning the Grand Prix, his first Grand Prix of his career. Um, the emotions, the the nerves, the excitement, everything that you can imagine that Lando would have been going through is all ticking over um, in overdrive. And he was handling it rather, rather well. I mean, there were moments where he was sort of sliding a little bit and it was a bit, you know, that the car was getting a bit loose at the rear end. And he was managing to handle it and keep Lewis behind him. And in that moment, you kind of have to make the decision. You have to gamble. Now, it's a bit easier for Lewis Hamilton because he can afford to take a gamble uh, based on what Lando doesn't do. So he can go the opposite way. Originally, he wanted to stay out like Lando Norris. I mean, if it was right, up yeah. to Hamilton and Norris, both of them on their decisions, Hamilton would have lost the race as well today, which would have been even more devastating considering who finished behind him later on, which of course we'll get into in a bit. But, um, you know, in that position, I think it's a lot easier when you're second and you can gamble to try and win a race rather than when you're leading and you've got everything to lose. Ultimately, McLaren, as you mentioned, Courtney, I think I I would love to know how much information McLaren had. I would imagine they would have had as much as anybody else did. Um, But they seemed very, very hesitant 
perhaps almost scared of making the wrong decision to the point where they decided to leave it up to the driver. Now, Lando is is an experienced driver for his young years. He really is, and he's incredibly talented. But I question whether it was a sensible call to put that level of responsibility in a decision like that, which of course determined the outcome of the race on a driver like Lando Norris, who has not been in this position as often as someone like Lewis Hamilton or Fernando Alonso or Sebastian Vettel or even Max Verstappen uh, to compare. Um, And this isn't me sticking the knife in on McLaren or blaming them for this, but I do feel that when you're in a situation like that, you kind of have to make be confident and sometimes have to make the decision for the driver um, and convince him that this is the right call in the way that Mercedes ultimately did for Lewis after a lap after he refused to come in and say, look, you need to come in because it's going to get worse. And ultimately, despite Lewis complaining on the radio, it was the right call. And that's what won him the Grand Prix today. I feel this is where McLaren's lack of race winning experience in recent years really come to show. Because, you know, yeah, they got a great um, result last weekend and they deserve the result. But they're not used to winning races. It's the first time they won a race in nine years. And as talented as the people are within the team, as a unit, they don't have these experiences of winning races in tricky conditions. And ultimately, the, the decision that they made, you know, failed not only Lando, but themselves. But again, they'll learn from these experiences. And going into the future, I have high hopes for McLaren. I've, I've, I've been saying it for a while now. I think McLaren and Ferrari are the two teams to watch next season. And these experiences will make McLaren a much stronger team going forward. Yeah, absolutely right. And of course... Um, you know, for Lando Norris, he ended up finishing P7 in the end. Of course, he had a bit of a scary moment um, when he went over uh, the pit lane line to rejoin the circuit and then rejoined to go back into the pit lane uh, in a manner which was obviously against the FIA rules. Fortunately, uh, the stewards just gave him a reprimand because it was one of those where he didn't intentionally do that. It was because of the wet weather and he was aquaplaning on dry tyres. It wasn't his fault. So they just gave him a reprimand for it and allowed him to keep his seventh place. I think the worst thing for Lando, even more so, not that he would have cared given what he'd already lost, would be to um, get a penalty towards the end of the race and lose even more points. Uh, and that is the, I suppose, the po- the only positive I suppose McLaren can take from a race like today was that they still outscored Ferrari. Um, Ferrari, of course, got a podium with Carlos Sainz, which, of course, was a great result for him um, today. Considering how the race was going, it could have been a lot worse for him. But... Um, Ricardo in a solid P5, sorry, P4, I should say, not P5. Um, and Lando Norris with P7 means they outscore Ferrari to increase their lead over them in the Constructors' Championship now to, I believe it's 17 and a half points, which, of course, at this point of the season is quite crucial. Um, you know, I mean, for McLaren, Courtney, do you feel that they're going to be able to learn from this rather quickly so that perhaps next time round they'll be in a better position? and perhaps consolidate that win. I mean, we shouldn't be too harsh on them because they've had an incredible last couple of weeks. Wow. I mean, that win, that one-two in Monza should have been another win today. Um, it's really positive signs, specifically, especially for McLaren, I should say, that they very much are looking more and more like the old McLaren that was so mm-hmm. used to winning Grand Prix and championships. And perhaps if it was that McLaren of the past, they very much would have won the Grand Prix today. You know, contrary to the McLaren that we saw seven years ago, that were struggling to even finish a Grand Prix, let alone, you know, winning them. So it is positive. I think we should look at it like that, as hard as it would be for anyone associated with McLaren to really focus on those things right now. 
they continue to be on an upward trajectory. I think another thing worth noting is that Daniel actually had another good race today. Daniel Ricciardo had another good race. And that only bodes well for McLaren going forward. They've got two drivers that we know are capable of winning races. They're gaining confidence. They've got some great people out him. I think Zach, Zach Brown's doing a great job there. He's, he's, he's done a fantastic job for them. And if I was a McLaren fan, I'd be very, very excited about next year. I've really got high hopes for them. Mm. Yeah, the, everything seems to be coming together. And it's a project that has taken quite a long time. As I said, throughout the entirety of the Turbo Hybrid era, from coming from the very back to where they are now, they're making the steady steps. They're making all the right steps. They've had to take some pain when things were kind of stagnating a few years ago. But since they've built this sort of new age McLaren around this sort of trinity, if you like, of Zach Brown, Andreas Seidel and James Key, of course, in particular, it is starting to come together and they seem to have the right people in place. They've got the right driver lineup. Um, they've got everything that they need to kind of turn this team into a team that could very much emulate the achievements and the success of the McLaren in its heyday 15, 20 years ago. And I know it seems such a long time ago. It doesn't really when you've been there and seen it. But um, yeah, I think the glory days to McLaren are very much going to be coming very, very soon once again. So certainly exciting for their part. And we'll have to wait and see how that pans out in the future. Um, Let's go back to the battle at the front of the championship. Of course, Lewis Hamilton winning his 100th Grand Prix. I think we should focus on this a little bit more. We haven't really given it too much discussion um, in, in terms of his achievements versus what um he's you know he's done in particular today um it's a it was a strange weekend for lewis because this was a weekend i think we all kind of expected from the aftermath of the italian grand prix that red bull and max verstappen wouldn't necessarily be in the picture and for 52 of the 53 laps they weren't you know there were moments where max verstappen looked like he might find himself in the same piece of road to lewis hamilton to a point he was about five seconds behind him at one point in the race um on merit just how the the way things were going. But um, for Lewis, it did seem that there were elements to his driving this weekend that did seem to worry me in terms of, is Lewis Hamilton buckling under the pressure in that is this was a weekend where because of the engine penalties we expected Red Bull to take, which eventually they did, Max was completely out of contention at the back. And it was up to Hamilton and Mercedes in particular to take advantage of this and not only win the race, but do so in a manner where they could try and inflict as much pain and damage on Max Verstappen and Red Bull as they possibly could. Um, ultimately, they did get the win, and obviously that's something that they will be celebrating. But in, in Lewis's case, it was a far from faultless performance from Lewis Hamilton this weekend. A lot of mistakes, particularly the one in qualifying in Q3, where he'd uh, you know, knocked his car into the wall, which not only ruined his qualifying session to a degree, but also Valtteri Bottas's because it prevented him from getting a proper lap in on the softer tyres when the track was drying up. But then, of course, in the race, um, Lewis didn't get the best of starts and he got bogged down into the, uh, well, behind the likes of Sainz, Ricardo, Stroll as well, and even George Russell, um, which really hurt him for most of the race. And, of course, he come alive after the pit stop, owing to some good fortune for some bad stops and strategy calls from his rivals ahead of him. Um, but we, I suppose the only time in the Grand Prix where it seemed that Lewis was really on form was when he was catching and hounding Lando Norris and then eventually just didn't get any closer. So whilst it was a great day for Lewis Hamilton in terms of winning his 100th Grand Prix and winning the race and the strategy call obviously went his way where his team made a brilliant one where if it was up to Lewis, he, again, he may have lost the race himself. Is there a fear that 
the pressure of this championship battle with Max Verstappen is really starting to take its toll on Lewis, where he is continuing to make slight mistakes that Lewis Hamilton in his absolute peak would not be making. It does seem a little bit ominous. Um, This is just my personal opinion. I think this has been, performance-wise, this has been his worst season since 2016, where obviously he famously lost to Nico Rosberg. Um, And the thing that's concerning is that Lewis will have to be at his very best to beat not only a supreme driver in Max Verstappen, but a Red Bull car that does seem overall over a course of the season has a slight pace advantage over the Mercedes. Yeah, so I, I, Lewis yeah. does have to. Lewis does have to get up to that level if he's to win this championship, you know. And with the connotations with the engines as well, Max has now got out of the way. Lewis is going to have to nurse his engines, or Mercedes might have to possibly take an engine penalty at some point themselves. They're going to have to. They're going to have to really make some um, important calls going forward. But in terms of his performances, as great as Lewis has been throughout his career. This season, is going to have to up his game if he wants to win this championship. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I was just going to say, um, before you were finishing your point, actually, uh, that it, it does seem that we've talked a lot this season. And I think a lot of people have said that Max Verstappen and Red Bull would have to be at their absolute best to beat Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes. But based on what we've seen this season, whilst I absolutely agree that, for the most part, Red Bull have had the superior all-round package to Mercedes. I don't think the deficit is as great as some people say it is, but I definitely think it's it's more than enough to make up for perhaps that one-tenth or half-a-tenth in ultimate performance that Lewis does still probably have over Max um, at the moment. But when that's all said and done, it, it just feels that one team has certainly given their absolute best in their all for majority of the season, and it's not Mercedes and Hamilton. And it's quite interesting that we're now talking about this championship where Lewis has not got the best car, albeit that's not something to you know knock him with because most drivers and teams that win championships do often have the best car. It's very, it's not often that that happens, um, you know. And Lewis has put himself in that position because of the work he's put in, the work Mercedes have put in. It's a joint venture, so why, if they've created this dynasty, this. Uh, the best performance of car and man combination, if you like, then they should be enjoying the benefits. That's the whole point of Formula One. But with all that being said, it's quite interesting that when Lewis has had to really, really step up, more often than not, there have been mistakes that have creeped in. Small things, we should say, not anything that's like, you know, critical or ruins his race. But you say that, though, you have to look at Baku. Well, yeah, he could have won that race. He could have done it. You look at Baku. And that could be the moment that could cost him this championship. Well, there have been a few, haven't there? Because, mm. I mean, Imola earlier in the season. Now, I don't think that gets talked about enough because Lewis ended up coming second in that race in a race that looked like it was decided after lap one when Max had got ahead of him. But Lewis made a huge mistake at the hairpin. And if it wasn't for the safety car, it had been a lap down. So he wouldn't have been anywhere near or the red flag. He wouldn't have been anywhere near in contention to get on the podium in that race. Um, of course, you know, the Silverstone one as well, even though he won that race, that was another mistake that Lewis doesn't normally make. Um, you know, and, there, and you know, there have been a few this season and it's just so strange to talk about Lewis in that regard that for the sake of the championship, as good as Lewis has been um, in certain parts of the season, and especially the early part of the season, we need to find that version of Lewis Hamilton back because I think if, right. if he does... I think he's got a very good chance of winning this world championship. But at the moment, 
it just seems that they are really hanging in there. And it seems that it's only a matter of time before it all comes back towards Red Bull and Max Verstappen. Um, and perhaps we could see that in two weeks' time at Turkey. And all of a sudden, we start going to the same place that we were at in Austria and Styria, where Max Verstappen is in a league of his own. And nobody, not even Hamilton and Mercedes, can stop him. Um, I mean, on Mercedes as well, I think it's fair to say that they very much won the race today for Lewis. But even they themselves, some of the decisions that they have made have come into question. And one in particular, Courtney, was the decision to um, give Valtteri Bottas a new engine, which put him to the back of the field, obviously uh, ahead of Max Verstappen, with the tactical intention to impede Max and halt his progress, which ultimately didn't work. I mean, what do you make of that decision? Do you think that was the right call for Mercedes from a, a tactical perspective? Not necessarily a morally one, because that's a different argument altogether. Or would you think it, it would have been better off for them to just leave Bottas where he was and let Max try and deal with Bottas if and when he caught him in the race? I think two things come into this. Um, one is Valtteri's performance and also hindsight. With hindsight, yeah, of course it would have been a the right decision to keep Valtteri in his, um, his original spot. But I don't know. I, maybe I've been too harsh, but it just seemed that Valtteri didn't put much of a fight at all. You see, it, it was like he was like daydreaming whilst Max went past him. You know, the, the, the Mercedes and particularly Valtteri, that's a very, very strong combination at this circuit. And he just, I don't know, it was, it, was, it was like he just let him throw. And it was just really, really disappointing to see because that was one of the sort of tasty battles we was expecting to see in a race. And we was kind of robbed of that. And I don't know, it just seems that I think Valtteri's already got one eye on that Alfa Romeo move. Um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doubting that he obviously, he obviously wants to see Mercedes win the Constructors' Championship. But I don't know. He didn't get his elbows out enough for my liking and it was just disappointing. Yeah. And you sort of questioned why that would have been. Was that because... Um, he just didn't see Max coming and was completely surprised. Because, I mean, it was a very good overtake from Max Verstappen. Mm. He did catch Bottas a little bit by surprise, and Bottas didn't really fight it, which did surprise me too. But part of me thought that, perhaps the cynical part of me thought that perhaps Valtteri Bottas was thinking, well, I've been quick all weekend, arguably the quickest driver uh, on Friday. And then, of course, when we went to qualifying, um, the only reason why he wasn't able to get a proper lap on the softs was because Lewis Hamilton's crash ahead of him um, impeded him in the pit stops. So it ruined it for him. And then after all of that, to then be told that you're going to have to take a new engine, whether of course, whether or not he needed one was a different discussion, but quite interesting they chose to do it on today when Max Verstappen is conveniently still going to be behind them. So it's kind of that thought process where, yes, of course, you want to be the team player. You want to help Lewis Hamilton to win the Drivers' Championship, of course, do the job for Mercedes. But you've got that contract with Alfa Romeo secure. So there's not... It's not necessarily like you have to do this to maintain your seat with the team. It's basically doing it out of the goodness of your heart from a competitive perspective for your teammate. Because obviously you don't want Max Verstappen to win the world championship instead of Lewis Hamilton in this regard. But um, for me, it kind of felt like Valtteri Bottas, perhaps not fighting Max Verstappen today, perhaps what he could have done, kind of reeked almost a little bit of, well, I'm in this position because of the driver that you guys are pushing to win the championship and the driver that I'm supposed to help. He's not really helping me. Um, mm. And uh, this was a race. I think Valtteri Bottas probably targeted to think 
I could win here. And I think if it wasn't for what happened in qualifying and everything else, he probably had a good chance to do it today. So it, it does beg the question, um, is Lewis going to have his rear gunner to back him for the rest of the season? On the evidence of what we he's saw today... Yeah, he's going to need it. But on the evidence of what we saw today, I don't think Valtteri is feeling up to playing that role anymore now that he's got his future secured elsewhere. It's almost like I'm going to drive myself. And we saw that in Italy to a degree as well. I mean, it didn't work out for Lewis then for obvious reasons, but Valtteri weren't exactly playing the team game then. Very much racing for himself. And, um, you know, a bit unfortunate. I mean, he did finish P5. I think he should be pretty happy about that. I mean, it was at some point, but it does make me wonder that if Valtteri had started where he was supposed to, could have won today. Certainly could have been in a position for that. Um, yeah, so, the way yeah, yeah the way he's driving reminds me of uh, reminds me of a mid-table Premier League team at the end of the season on the beach. Turn <laughs> up, but you're not quite there. But yeah, the funny part is that Valtteri is actually driving better now that he's in beach mode. So maybe he should be thinking about that. I mean, on his Instagram, I think after the race he put a picture. You know that meme that's been going around with Bottas oh, yeah. after Monza. Um, it was the the second part of it where he's smiling and grinning, and in the background, um, it's all scrap metal to imply like engine parts and stuff like that. So to me, that's kind of like a subtle dig over what's going on. So that's kind of why I feel like the cynical part of me might be a little bit more spot on than it usually is. Not that I like to stir the pot, but you know, we always got to have something to talk about in that regard, um, whether we know what we're talking about or not. Um, one, one team dynamic I do want to talk about that is quite interesting is the one at Aston Martin. Now, the last couple of races, Stroll and Vettel have come together and it's really impacted Sebastian Vettel's race for the worse. And this is at a time where Aston Martin can't really afford to be dropping points or losing out to the likes of AlphaTauri and Alpine, who are very much moving further and further away from him in the battle for fifth place in the championship. And this was a circuit this weekend that, like Mercedes, very much highlighted the strengths of the Aston Martin. You can draw your own conclusions as to why that is, for those of you uh, aware of the racing point story from the last couple of years. Um, and their connection to Mercedes. But um, it was very much a circuit where I thought they would do very, very well. And for the most part, it looked quite promising for Aston Martin. I mean, uh, Sebastian Vettel was looking quite quick early on. Qualifying, he didn't work out for them. He ended up outside. He didn't even get into Q3, which he was obviously very disappointed about. Stroll did. Um, but once again, they've come together. And this time, Lance Stroll very much driving into Sebastian Vettel, not even looking where he was going. He didn't even look in his mirrors. And it wasn't like Vettel had crept up alongside him in the way that Verstappen almost did with Leclerc earlier on in the race. Um, He was very much alongside Stroll already. And Stroll just basically just moving over to the outside for the racing line, just driving into his teammate. And it ruined both their races towards the end. It makes me wonder, Courtney, what is going on with Aston Martin in that regard? Because whilst you've got uh, Sebastian Vettel trying his absolute best at the moment to try and bring this team forward, and he's clearly the team leader and the driver that Aston Martin needs to pin their hopes on for success in the future, at least for next season. But then you've got Lance Stroll, who, for the most part, is is a solid driver, certainly not a team leader in this regard. He's a solid number two driver for the team, but very much in this seat um, because, at the moment, because of who his, his dad owns the team in that regard, whilst he's been a good driver on merit, it does worry me for Aston Martin that they're very increasingly becoming, uh, putting themselves in a position where they've got a driver who is very much there at the moment because of who his dad is, and he's not doing the team any favours. If anything, he's their own worst enemy. So what do you make of this dynamic right now? Because it seems increasingly 
that uh, more likely that Sebastian Vettel is going to be very much more outspoken than he currently is. And he already had had conversations with Otmar Safner and Lawrence Stroll about this. So it's very tense time for Aston Martin at the moment. What do you make of what's going on? It would surprise me if Lance Stroll is threatened by Sebastian Vettel's presence. Um, let's not forget that Sebastian Vettel has got the big results for the team this season. You know, he should have he should have finished second in Hungary, for example, if it wasn't for the um, if it wasn't for the the penalties given. He got a, didn't he get he got a podium in was it Baku or Monaco? I remember Baku oh, wasn't it? Yeah, it was got, Baku for Seb, and he got a P five in Monaco as well, which at the oh, time was. Right the best performance the team had put in in the season at the time. They were really struggling before he got that. So he's he's become, you know, the, the go-to guy. And maybe Lance Stroll wants to be that guy at Aston Martin. And obviously, Sebastian Vettel's kind of stolen the charge. He's shown glimpses of his old self. He's gaining that confidence back. And obviously, Lance Stroll wants to do something about that. But he's been quite reckless with it. And, you know, for the team to move forward in... What it could be a big opportunity for Aston Martin, the teammates need to get on well. So something needs to be sorted. And Sebastian Vettel isn't the type of guy to mince his words. So if this is to continue, he will be voicing his opinions and he'll be doing it publicly as well. Mm. I mean, this has all come this week for more positive things for Aston Martin, where they've uh, obviously unveiled uh, the the sort of the plot of land area, of course, where their expansion project is going to be going on the new facilities. So, all of that that's going on, that's going to be complete over the next few years. It's a very exciting time at the moment where Aston Martin are about to embark on a journey that's going to really benefit him in the long term. And it's very much a team right now that I think is growing in stock every single day. Not necessarily for the performances in the racing, but for the fact that this is going to be a team that we all expect to be up there fighting for championships and race wins in the next five years or so. Or at least that's what Lawrence Stroll has set in terms of the time frame. He reckons they're going to be up there in five years' time, or at least within that time frame. And I just certainly don't bet against them from doing that. I think they're very much going to be in the picture. I think it's going to be sooner than that, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, it's become a team that a lot of drivers are going to be very much keeping an eye on as a possible future destination of where they want to be. And it kind of begs the question that whilst all of that off the track is going on and will be growing regardless of how they perform on the track at the moment, there seems to be a concern over their driver lineup in terms of if one of them has to go, which ones are going to be? I mean, the obvious answer for fans is like, well, keep Vettel, you know, bin off stroll. But we're talking about the son of the guy that owns the team, someone who's been very supportive of his son and has the utmost confidence that Lance Stroll could be a Formula One world champion uh, sometimes. So, I mean... What on earth do you do in that situation, Courtney? Oh, the struggles and nepotism, eh? <laughs> I mean, we should stress that, you know, Lance, I've obviously, I've been a very big backer of Lance. I've supported him in that, not saying like he's an amazing driver. I think he's a very good one, but he certainly deserves a spot in Formula One on merit. I think he showcased plenty of times um, in the last couple of years that he is good enough to be in Formula One, but I don't necessarily think in this particular team, in this particular seat, and with the expectations, but that comes with the territory. You know, every driver has their story and their back in, and this is Lance. He has a billionaire dad who owns a Formula One team. I mean, that's pretty sweet. Any of us And that's a drawback, that. though, isn't it? It's it a is. drawback. We've, we've had this conversation so many times, but it's just, as, as a fan, I'd say it's one of the biggest frustrations we have about driver choices. Mm. But if Lance was good enough to be... I mean, if Lance was on the level of Sebastian Vettel or... 
you know, one of the young drivers like a Norris or a Russell or a Leclerc, one of those guys, we wouldn't really be having this conversation. But then if that was the case, Lance would not be making these mistakes that he is currently making at the moment. And it's not just mistakes that are impacting his own race. It's ones that impacting his teammate. That's when it starts to be a problem. And when you've got a teammate like Sebastian Vettel, there aren't many more people that I would want to upset less than Sebastian Vettel in terms of an incident. Because this is a guy that, yes, he, he, he doesn't, you know, keep his cards to his chest. He's very much outspoken, but he does it in the right way. He doesn't go to the press and complain about this, that, and everything else and say, oh, this person's an idiot. Or um, he's not as outspoken in that manner as someone like Fernando Alonso, for example, who we know is very much, uh, isn't shy in terms of um, demonstrating to everyone when something is wrong in the public eye, perhaps more than he should do. So... It doesn't really help Aston Martin's situation where they're trying to make these baby steps going forward at the moment. And right now, they're more tied up with their own battle within their own team rather than fighting the likes of Alpha Tauri and Alpine, who, by contrast, are doing rather, rather well. But, you know, so it, it is a difficult time for Aston Martin in the short term and one that they may have to make a decision sooner than they would probably like to to They'll try and make to. it better. They'll have to because it could cost them dearly in a tight midfield battle so they have to sort it out sooner rather than later mm, absolutely um before we move on to the star ratings i think and and obviously talking a little bit about turkey uh can we talk about max verstappen and red bull just briefly so let's do it yeah max verstappen of course as we all expected was going to take the new engine penalty following the free place grid penalty which was obviously redundant owing to what had happened from his incident with uh, lewis hamilton at the italian grand prix now of course, he started at the back of the field and uh, ended up in P2 today. But whilst, of course, we should praise him for his performance, because it was an incredible drive to go from P20 to P2. Uh, and a lot of the hard work that he put in came in the early stages of the race. And of course, he did receive that fortune at the end. But it must be said that whilst Red Bull would be very, very happy with how it turned out, now that Lewis is only two points ahead of Max in the championship, and um, when it could have been a lot worse, it must be said that Max was quite lucky towards the end of the race because Red Bull probably ruined not only his, but Sergio Perez's race um, in two instances, one of which was pitting Max quite early from the harder tyres to the mediums, where he practically did half the race on the mediums, which I don't think was the right call. I think they should have waited in the way that uh, Norris stayed out a little bit longer and Hamilton, of course, and that really helped their races and it really hurt uh, Verstappen's but also Sergio Perez's pit stop, which not only hurt Perez's chances of a podium, but it hurt Max as well because it put him in a precarious position where Perez had a faster car, faster tyres on him, um, and he was ahead of Max on the road. And what do you do? You've got to make that call. Do you force Perez to let Max go or do you let Perez go? And it ruins Max's race. So, I mean, what do you make of their day, Courtney? They'll be happy with how it turned out, but Red Bull were quite lucky because they made a lot of mistakes themselves today. They were lucky, but at the same time, I'm I'm a big believer in over the course of a season, the luck sort of evening out or as close as possible. I'm a big believer in yin and yang and all that jazz. But if you have a look at Hungary, for example, with that tangle with uh, um, Fauci Bottas, that had nothing to do with Max, and he suffered dearly because of that. So I just feel that the events of the day kind of even that out. I think what's interesting going forward, though, is the with the engine penalties, you know, I said it earlier on about Lewis. I do believe that Lewis is going to have to take a new engine at some point or he could suffer a reliability issue. And I'm just wondering whether 
that should happen in the next couple of races where it's easier to overtake compared to some of the circuits. So if it's to do it at Brazil, for example, it'd be an absolute disaster. So I just feel that this weekend, I just feel this is a vital result for Max. And this is my opinion and my opinion only. At this stage, obviously, with my Lewis Hamilton cap on, I hope I'm wrong. I just have a feeling that Max has one hand on that, on that, on that championship trophy right now. I really do. Yeah, I mean, it's strange to say, given that Lewis is currently leading the world championship now by two points, then it has swung back and forth between those three guys, uh, between those two guys in the last couple of races. But uh, realistically speaking, we've just gone to two circuits where we expected Mercedes to be very, very strong. Um, today, we expected, or, you know, yesterday, as this episode comes out on a Monday, um, we expected Mercedes to not only be strong, but to be quite dominant this weekend. And this is why I think Red Bull took the energy penalty at this race. I think they went through FP1, realised that Mercedes had them beat ends up on not only one lap pace in quali, but also race pace as well, which has obviously forced their hand and thought, right, Mercedes have won here every single time that we've been here. Obviously, that happened again today. And, you know, we just didn't have a chance to beat them. They probably thought on outright pace and everything else, Max's best chance, excluding a retirement, is a P3. So they thought, well, we could take the engine penalty and yeah, we might not get P3, but we could probably get P5. That was probably the target. And Max certainly showcased the pace to not only get that, but look like he could get more. I mean, there was a point in this race where he was so close to Lewis on the optimum strategy that it did seem that he might even beat Lewis today. Um, That's how it seemed earlier on. And then it just completely went wrong with the strategy call. Um, He got bogged down behind guys he just couldn't overtake. And it just was a bit of a nightmare for him. Um, but then, of course, the rain came and it completely saved his bacon, quite literally, and he ended up in P2. So, I mean, yes, Lewis, of course, has had the 100th Grand Prix and the race win and everything else, but for me, when Lewis got out of the car um, after the race had finished, when they all parked up, and he looked over, and obviously I'm sure he would have expected it because they would have told him on the radio, but just to see Max Verstappen pulling up in that red ball, um, pit it, uh, pit parking it where that P2 board is, I think you could see in Lewis's reaction, even with the helmet on, that he thought, damn, this was a great opportunity for me today. And even though I've won the race, Max is probably feeling as happy as I am at the fact that he's only come second and that he's only lost a small margin at a weekend where Mercedes were hoping for much more. I guess kind of after that monologue, what I'm trying to get at, Courtney, is after not taking the best opportunity in an Italian race and also at the Russian Grand Prix, do you feel that Mercedes may have already lost their best chance to build up a margin to win this world championship? Or do you feel that there's still time for Mercedes to turn this around on merit, you know, not including retirements or bad fortune? That's right. So I feel that Turkey is going to be interesting. I, I feel it's going to be one of the circuits where they're, where they're close. I don't think one team is going to have a real advantage, but I, I really do feel that if Mercedes don't choose to take that, um, that engine, the, the new engine for Lewis, because at, at Turkey, it's easier to overtake compared to some of the other places I said earlier. But I, f- I think they have to start, Mercedes are going to have to start winning races where they're close. So in the next couple of races, I expect them to be closer. But then if you have a look at circuits like Mexico and Brazil, for example, I'm fully expecting Red Bull to dominate because t- traditionally they do. But Turkey and America, I think it's going to be close. They are the two where Lewis has to win. If Max 
wins or they have a real advantage over Mercedes, I think it's going to be really difficult for Lewis to get the amount of points he needs to beat um, to beat Max Verstappen. Yeah, no, that's very, very true. I, I think this season we have seen where they've been very, very close. I think there have probably been two races where Mercedes have got the upper hand. I think you could even argue to a degree, I mean, that'd be Bahrain in Spain. I think you can argue to a degree that there's probably only been one race this season that Red Bull had the upper hand where Mercedes actually beat them, and that was Bahrain at the very start of the season. Since then, it's completely gone the other way, and I think you can argue that Red Bull, whilst they haven't beaten Mercedes at more circuits where we thought Mercedes would dominate, they've managed to limit the damage as much as humanly possible, and Mercedes have not taken advantage of it. And this is one of the hallmarks of Mercedes' dominant period, because whilst they have been dominant at a lot of Grand Prix in a lot of seasons where in this turbo hybrid era, what has been critical for them is that when they've had these battles with the likes of Ferrari in 2017 and 2018, there were races where we thought Ferrari were going to have the upper hand and beat them. And Mercedes managed to turn it around and beat them. And Hamilton in particular, um, I remember Singapore 2018, Lewis was absolutely incredible that day um, and that weekend. And the same race, funny enough, in 2017, where the Ferraris locked out the front row and completely messed up their race um, with, you know, against Max Verstappen with that incident and Lewis went on to win it. So it's those moments in the season where if Mercedes and Hamilton don't win this championship, they will rue that they just didn't take the opportunities in a race like, I mean, they won today, but, you know, Max comes second. That's obviously not what they would have wanted. Um, and, of course, what happened in Monza when, yes, of course, they come together, Max and Lewis, but the plan was for Mercedes to be dominant in the race and because of different circumstances, it just didn't happen for them. So, um, yeah, we'll have to wait and see how that transpires and how that goes for the rest of the season. It's quite interesting because this is something that we don't normally associate with Mercedes. And again, not trying to constantly knock them, but this is so uncharacteristic of them and Lewis Hamilton. And perhaps that's what's made this championship even all the more exciting. Perhaps they've had to come down to this human-like level because they've always been superhuman up to this point, which has now made this championship so exciting to the point where they may not be able to do it. And if they do, it's going to be all the more sweeter for them if they end up getting the the championship at the end. And uh, at least for the driver's part, the constructor's championship, it looks like they're looking very, very handy right now. Um, Just uh, one big shout out what I do want to make, Corny. Um, George Russell, um, this weekend, I mean, this is the fourth points finish for him in the last five races. And this, we're talking about a guy that went nearly 60 Grand Prix without scoring a point. And now he's got four in the last five in a Williams, no less, and uh, qualified P3 today. I mean, if you're George Russell, you've qualified P3 as, you know, similar to what he did in Belgium when he qualified P2, although this time he had to race. Whilst, of course, he didn't reach the dazzling heights as he did in that race owing to what happened then. I'd say he'd be pretty satisfied with another points finish. I mean, George has become Mr. Reliable all of a sudden. I'll tell you what, as a British Formula One fan, it's a, it's a weird old time because, you know, in the next couple of years, we're expecting the icon of British Formula One, Lewis Hamilton, to get past his peak or retire. But at the same time, the future is so exciting with both Lando and George Russell. George Russell is already showing the hallmarks of a guy that can really perform at a, a truly elite level. And he did it again this weekend. You know, yeah, the result going from third to tenth doesn't look good on paper, but that Williams is a poor car. Trust, trust me. It's a poor car. And he's managing to get those results, particularly during qualifying. He's been pushing that car way above its level. And that's the true mark of a like a truly elite driver. And this is the, the future is really exciting with Lando and George. I really can't wait for what they can do in the coming years. 
Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely brilliant. I mean, qualifying, we had McLaren, Ferrari and Williams in the top three places. I don't think that had happened since the 2004 Brazilian Grand Prix. Um, and in those three spots, we had Norris, Sainz and George Russell, definitely three of the stars of the future. And the future could be very, very, uh, well, it could be a lot closer than we actually think at the moment. It's quite exciting times, but no, it's great stuff all around. And uh, the new era of Formula One is looking very, very promising indeed. Um, let's move on now to the final part of our review, the star ratings. Um, this is the part of the show, guys, of course, where we take all of the performances for the drivers throughout the course of the weekend and we give them a star rating out of five based on how we felt their performance was owing to their current situation. And of course, that is varied based on the equipment that they have versus what the expectation is as well. So let's start off with Mercedes Courtney, Lewis Hamilton... Um, how would you rate his performance out of 10? Bearing in mind, of course, he qualified in fourth, but of course he made that huge mistake, um, which not only hurt him, but hurt his teammate and ended up going on to win the race by, well, you know, a good performance in some regards, but uh, quite fortuitous in the end to get the result. I'm going to give him three and a half stars out of five. Um, yeah, I'm going to knock him down mainly for his performance on Saturday. Um, once he's in clean there, in the in the race, he was quite decent. But yeah, I'm gonna knock him down because of that qualifying performance. Because Lewis Hammond used to be the king of qualifying and this year hasn't been there at all. So three and a half stars for me. Mm. Well it was also when he was about to do his final lap, he was struggling and he also had that spin in the final sector, which was very uncharacteristic of him. Um I'm gonna be a little bit more generous, um, because I've probably said quite a lot of things about him in this episode which has not been uh, not been praising him too much, even though he's it's a huge moment for him. Um, I'll give him four stars. Um, you know, he got the win, which is important. I think that was the minimum he needed to do today. Um, and he did recover that from a less than impressive qualifying performance. Um, you know, the, the race itself, there was a key moment, I think the key period in the race with Lewis when he was on the harder tyres and he was setting really, really good times, purple sectors, fastest laps, lap after lap. Um, to catch up to Lando Norris, which eventually put him in a position where he could try and win the race and benefit from it. Of course, he did get some luck to do it, but you've got to put yourself in that position. And I think that is one of the key strengths of Lewis, always putting himself in a position to capitalise on a moment like that. And he did once again, and I think you, you should praise him for that. Or at least I should probably praise him for that. Um, Valtteri Bottas, um, I would probably give Valtteri Bottas a, I would say four stars again. Uh, or oh no, four and a half. Oh, is that no, 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 four. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stick with four. Um, purely because you know he got P5, which is, of course is a good result. He had to try and do a job today for the team, which ultimately he didn't do. Um, if you think about it, not that it was his fault that he was in that position. You know, it was quite unfortunate. Um, but there was that period in the race, Courtney, where he was stuck outside the points. Toto was getting on the radio saying, "Valtteri, you could end up P5 today if you get a move on." He did, but it was more down to the fact that the rain come and that basically propelled him all the way up into P5. So, um, yeah, he did well to get into that position, but he was quite lucky again today to end up in P5. He could have finished outside the point. So, yeah, four stars for Valtteri, although a little reluctantly to be harsh on him because he was kind of in that position because Mercedes put him in that position. Yeah, I'm going to give him three and a half. Um I was just really disappointed with what he did in the race today. You know, we've, we've gone through it. He had his reasons. But, you know, if we're judging the driver on the performance, he didn't defend well enough, in the, which was a vital part of the strategy for the team. So I'm going to knock him down for that. I'm giving him three and a half as well. Okay. Um, Red Bull. 
uh, Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez. Of course, Verstappen didn't even qualify, didn't need to, because of the engine penalty was going to start at the back. But he managed to recover his race and get into P2. Again, a little bit of luck, but, you know, to come from P20 to P2 is a very impressive performance. Um, and then, of course, we've got Sergio Perez, who come in P9 today, um, qualifying. He's actually qualified in ninth, but uh, his race kind of went up and down. It could have been so much more, but again, very unfortunate with uh, the strategy calls and the mis- and the about the nine-second pit stop he had as well. So what would you give those guys today, Courtney? I'm going to give Max four and a half, and I'm going to give Sergio four. I'm going to go... Do you know, I'm going to go four and a half for both of them. Um, Max, again, I don't need to say, I've already said it already. Perez, um, on the road, despite the fact that, um, you know, the the pit stop really, really hurt him. um, He could have been challenging for the race win today. He was literally on Hamilton's tail for most of the race until that mistake in the pits. Um, But he got himself up into P3 before the rain come. And then... It was all a bit confusion with so many people and the weather and everything else ended up P9. So it was obviously a bit late to the pits um, and that kind of ruined his race. So I want to be generous to Sergio. I think he did a good race today. His stint on the tyres, on the hard tyres was phenomenal. You know, I think he was like 10 laps longer than Max did and that really benefited him in the race. But unfortunately, we'll never know how high he could have been because of uh, that long pit stop. So now I'm going to be generous and give him four and a half today. I think Sergio drove rather well. He was just very unlucky not to finish higher than he did. Um, let's go to McLaren, Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo. Now, of course, we don't need to go through their stories. We know very well what happened to poor Orlando. Um, Ricciardo, I will say, though, started fifth. He had a bit of an up and down race, and but he ended up fourth in the end. So what would you give those guys, Courtney? I'm going to give them both four and a half. But like with Lando, I'm going to be a really technical. It'd be like a, a 4.9. You know, apart from that call that he made at the end that cost him the race, he was been absolutely supreme oh, all weekend driver of, the, driver of the day driver yeah. of the day rightly so driver of the weekend in my book so yeah apart from that mistake which you know cost him dearly he's been fantastic and given how he's recovered in recent times i'm going to give daniel four and a half because it could have been easy for him to have slumped after the result last weekend but he's he's finding some consistency now and i think that needs to be merited so i'm going to give him four and a half I'm, I mean, with with Ricardo, this is the easy one for me. I'm going to give him a four, but a very solid four. I like 4.4 or something like that. And the reason why I give him that is because qualifying was good. P5, pretty solid. Um, you know, it was difficult in the conditions, but it was a good qualifying performance. It was a solid weekend for Ricardo, but there was a critical moment in the race before the rain come down where he struggled to get past Carlos Sainz. Um, and ultimately, that kind of cost him the chance at a podium today. And whilst he had a good race and he timed the pit stop well, he ended up behind signs at the end. And knowing to the way the race was panning down, I think he would have been disappointed about that. So I'm going to say a solid four, nearly four and a half, but, you know, not a bad performance, but, you know, could have been more for him. Uh, Lando, I'll give him a 4.5 for the reasons you've just mentioned. Um, incredible qualifying performance. First pole position of his career should have been the first win, but... As I said, I don't want to be too harsh on the guy because it, my heart breaks for him owing to what happened. But those kind of strategy calls, whether you make it or the team makes it or whatever, um, that is the difference between winning races and not winning races. And ultimately, whilst you know he's not been in that position and it's such a hard call to make, the reality is he made the wrong one. And 
that alone is why he didn't win the race today because every other way up that you look at it Lando deserved to win today he was phenomenal um one of the best performances I'd seen this season but it was that moment that can decide a race win or not and if you want to know how critical that thing can be and how often that happens in Formula One just ask Lewis Hamilton how many races has he won when he's had to make a moment or a decision or his team's had to make a decision that has impacted his race for the better or for the worse they don't always come off but on a day like today, that will be the moment that he will look back on as, oh, I wish I'd have done this or I wish I'd have took, pitted and everything else. You do. You're not human if you don't think about those sort of things in the heat of the moment. Of course, he'll learn to forget it and move on because he's an elite sports person and that's what they do. That's why they're so brilliant. Um, but that for me is why I would give him a four and a half um, and nothing more than that. I'm sorry. I know it's a bit harsh, but it, yeah, I, I've got to look at it for what it is, unfortunately. It's not popular, but... Hopefully Lando gets a win soon because he deserves one. We all love Lando agree. Norris. Um, okay, Ferrari. Um, Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc. Uh, how would you rate their days? Of course, remember, Carlos Sainz qualified P2, finished P3, although he was a bit lucky towards the end. Um, some grad. Um, and Charles Leclerc, whose race looked promising after starting from the back of the grid as well, but then it just completely went wrong for the same reasons that Lando Norris, really. Yeah, I'm going to give Carlos Sainz 4.5. Great weekend from him. Um, he's, he just suffered mainly because of the strategy he was put on. Um, so I'm going to give him 4.5. Charles Leclerc, I'm going to give four. Decent performance, but I've seen better from him, much better from him in the past. So yeah, I'm going to give him a solid four. Yeah, Carlos signs 4.5. Absolutely right um, for me. Solid qualifying P2 on the front row with Lando Norris. Almost looked like he might get pole position. Um, and, you know, he actually handled his race rather well. I mean, you know, I, I, I think he did take too much out of the tyres at the beginning. Um, it seemed to be a bit up and down of what to do about Lando Norris, and then eventually Lando got past him, and then the pace just seemed to go away from him. But let's not forget he was driving with the old spec engine, so he will have to take a grid penalty at some point um, to, you know, take the new engine like Leclerc did this weekend. Um, so he will have that at some point. But, um what impressed me about Carlos Sainz this weekend was when things were difficult towards the end of the race, before the rain came down, his tyres were so much older than everyone else's were. And he was on the mediums towards the end, so the tyres were going to wear out more, and they looked like they were gone. But he managed to manage the gap and the pace rather well, to the point where he stayed ahead of Ricardo. And it was only until Sergio Perez managed to break through Ricardo where he got ahead of Sainz. Ultimately, that didn't matter because Sainz ended up in P3 anyway and took the gamble and made it right work when the weather came down. So... Very good drive from him. Only reason why I didn't give him five stars is because he didn't win the race, really. That's the only thing I can say. But no, good drive from Carlos Sainz. Uh, Charles Leclerc. Oh, I'm going to say three and a half. And this is a harsh three and a half. I I, I probably, you know, probably could give him a four stars because he, he did a good job. As good as Max Verstappen did going through the field. He followed Max all the way through the, uh, the pack. Um, despite getting a better start than uh, Max Verstappen did. Let's not forget um but uh that call when the weather came down Charles Leclerc made the wrong call and that's what cost him uh at the end of the day I don't know if the team sort of split the two and thought signs go in and Leclerc stay out I don't know but ultimately it was the wrong call and it ruined his race um incidentally mentioned the starts Courtney did you see um Fernando Alonso start where no, I didn't see it. so on you know um obviously at turn the exit turn one they've got the bollards there where they've got the cars have got a go through all that area to rejoin the circuit safely. They had it there for a couple of years. I think signs crashed last year trying to negotiate quite quickly. 
it's quite embarrassing. Fernando Alonso, I think, on the way to the grid on the formation lap, actually tested that area to see how fast he could go through I saw it. That bit. And then at the start of the race, he ended up going off and then just carried on and literally blitzed through, clean as you like, and ends up staying where he was, just behind George Russell. And I thought that was absolutely hilarious. And it's like typical Fernando Alonso, the wily old fox, really, really knows how to make the most of every opportunity going. And I love that because it's like finding loopholes here, there, and you just make it work. And it was just so funny. I just thought, that's Fernando. As soon as he did that on the formation lap, I thought he's going to do that at the start. He goes wide, he's going straight on and committing to it. And he did brilliantly. Didn't crash in like Science did last year. So yeah, it was quite funny. I just thought I'd mention that. Um, okay, let's whiz through some of these other ones now. Let's do let's do Alpine. Uh, Fernando Alonso, P6. Of course, he started in P6 as well. And it was an up and down race, but it was quite a solid drive. Esteban Ocon, though, only P14 for him, despite the fact that he was in the top 10 on the grid today. So what do you give their ratings? I'm going to give Fernando four and a half. Yet again, taking getting a maximum amount of that package, 100%. Now, both qualifying and in the race, so four and a half for him. <sighs> Esteban Ocon, he, he was one. He was one of the drivers that I forgot was even present in this race. So I'm gonna give him. I'm gonna be generous and give him a three. Yeah, it, it wasn't the best day for Esteban Ocon. So three stars is probably generous. Um, probably about right actually. But Alonso again. I mean, his defensive skills as well. We got to see that a little bit today. And I remember there was a point where Max Verstappen got up behind him, and I thought. This is going to be fun to watch because these two haven't really done too much battle as far as I can remember. And I, I remind, I remembered the Hungarian Grand Prix, how brilliant Alonso was at defending against Lewis Hamilton. We saw a little bit of that today as well with Hamilton and Alonso, where Hamilton round the outside of turn three. He did get Alonso into turn four, but it was that moment where Alonso was defending quite aggressively and Hamilton was a little bit hesitant thinking, oh God, not this again. Um... But yeah, we never got to see that with Alonso because in Verstappen because Alonso pitted just before. But it's those things again that just make me think, man, I want to see Alonso in a race winning car again because he's still got it. He really, really does. And even if he's at 95% of his a bit best ability, that is still a really high standard. And, you know, I love that about Fernando. He's brilliant to watch and he's proved a lot of people wrong this season, including myself. So I'm really enjoying watching his performances. Four and a half stars, very solid. More points for Alpine to increase their lead over Aston Martin and Alpha Tauri. Though, realistically speaking, it's Alpha Tauri that are fighting them. Aston Martin are nowhere at the moment. So, great job from them today. Um, let's talk about um, let's talk about Alfa Romeo. Let's move them forward because Kimi Raikkonen, first race back following COVID, P8. And he was... Oh, where did he start? He was 14th on the grid. He was nowhere. And then he ended up at the front of the field. And all the way through the race... Um, I think my brother was saying, like, what is Kimmy doing up there so high at the field? It's in the middle of the race. I said, this thing about Kimmy, this season in particular, we've seen a lot where he's nowhere at the start and then he ends up embedded in the points and he just gets on about his business. Like, he doesn't fall down the order as you'd expect. And he happened again today. It's that experience and that racecraft and that know-how that Alfa Romeo are really going to be losing with Raikkonen. And hopefully they'll get it back with Bottas. But, um, they should. Yeah, no, great day for them all things considered. I mean, it's their best finish of the season, so they should be happy with that. Um, what? How would you give their ratings? And of course, um, let's not forget uh, Giovinazzi, uh, 16th start, finished in 16th as well. Not much to say about him, but what would you give Raikkonen out of five stars? You know what? Let's give him a, let's give him a five. Yeah, yeah, let's give him a five stars. Yeah, Because, you know, he's, he's, he's got a car that's just offering nothing and he's got into the points. 
So five stars for him. Given that C will give him two and a half. Yeah. Bang average. Started 16th, ended 16th. Bang average, 2.5. Yeah, I mean, it, he made a lot of mistakes as well in qualifying. He had that crash as well in practice. So it's not been good for him. I mean, two, I'd say two stars to be honest for Giovinazzi. I wouldn't even go that high. Um, it does seem to me that it's inevitable. Now we're going to get confirmation that he will not be in formula one next season, which is a shame, but you know, that that's formula one for you. It's unforgiving like that. And um, whilst we've seen a recent upturn in performance from him, at least in qualifying in the last couple of races, you can't really justify staying in a team on the back of a few good performances when your teammate has been clearly outperforming you and he's retiring at the end of the season. So, um, yeah, it's a really strange one. It looks like Guan Yu Zhou looks like he's going to get the nod. And that's, in a way, that's good for him. But, I mean, Oscar Piastri in the F2 races yeah, again. Yeah, me to it. Pole and a win in the Russian uh, F2 race. I mean, this kid is so such a special talent. He really is. F3 champion last year. Looks like he's going to win the F2 title. Oh, man. It is such a shame he's not going to be in F1 next season. But I really hope Piastri gets his chance in F1. It's just a case of how that's going to happen. I don't know. Because it's not going to come from F2. Because he probably won't be driving in it next season if he wins the championship. No, fully agreed, mate. It's Again, I, I, I think it's clear who the better driver is out of Joe and... Piastri, but unfortunately, the politics of Formula One has other ideas, but it is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's move on to Williams. Seeing George Russell appropriately in P10, he obviously qualified in P3. We expected him to fall down the order, but he ended up P10. Managed to hold on to that despite the difficult weather conditions, so it wasn't like he benefited. He managed to maintain his position, and then Nicholas Latifi started in 18th, although he was last of everyone that actually did proper qualifying. I mean, you don't really count Leclerc in this because he was always going to start last anyway. But then he, he, he didn't finish in the race. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure what the problem was with Latifi. He, he just didn't finish, but he was 19th anyway. So, you know, what do you make of their respective days? Very contrasting, I suppose. Yeah, I'm going to give George four and a half. Again, fantastic, absolutely fantastic on a Saturday. And he still managed to exceed the expectations of the car. Even despite starting high up, he still exceeded the expectations of the car to um, bring it home. So four and a half for him. And Latifi, I suppose give him two for showing up. Yeah, we'll give him two. Yeah, I mean, I forgot Latifi was in the race. I didn't really pay much attention yeah. to what he was doing. It's hard to, you know, sometimes it's hard. He was in that little cohort at the back with the two Husses and Giovinazzi. It just, uh, yeah, it just wasn't really a good day for him anyway. Uh, George, five stars for me. I mean, I know P10, is it worth five stars? But we're talking about Williams here. One of the slowest cars on the grid by some margin. And P3 in qualifying, another superstar performance from George Russell in qualifying in changeable conditions. He really is proving to be a master of wet weather driving and he's dragging that Williams. I mean, it's the sort of thing that you do if you're in F1, the F1 game and you put the level on like amateur level or whatever in, in and you're driving one of the slowest cars and you end up qualifying at the front all the time. It's, it's literally the equivalent of that. It's PlayStation stuff um, that George Russell is doing. And it's so good to see because this guy is going to be in a Mercedes next year. Could be a championship winning car. So I'm so excited to see what he can do. But yeah, brilliant performance from George Russell. And he drove a solid race today. He very much was, you know, there was a train behind him, but he did a good job holding up a lot of the faster guys behind him. The strategy at the end of the pit stops really undone him, but he still got some points. And I think if someone would have offered him P10 today, 
Despite starting third, he probably would have took it in the same way that he would have done in Belgium if we actually had that race. So no, good job from George Russell. Latifi, I'm not going to mince words. Two stars for yeah. turning up. And that's it. that's all you can expect, unfortunately. Um, but he's had a good season, Latifi, all things considered. Um, so shouldn't be knocking him too much. Uh, Aston Martin, Vettel and Stroll. Finished 11th for Stroll, 12th for Vettel. Stroll started, of course, in 8th, Vettel 11th. But uh, yeah, not a great day for Aston Martin, all things considered. Three and a half for Vettel, three for uh, Stroll. I think I think Vettel showed moments, but Stroll, yeah, I'm I'm I'll be generous by giving him three, to be honest. But very forgettable race for the pair of them overall. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with Vettel. I think it was a little bit underwhelming, but his race was really hurt by his teammate. Um, it could have been a points finish today, so he would have done well. So I say three and a half for Vettel. Stroll, two stars. Uh, you know, he was good for some points earlier on in the race and he was doing rather well. But then when the conditions were starting to get difficult, um, you can't forgive in driving into your teammate the way that he did. And I know he probably didn't mean to, but it was just careless. And that's not good enough. Um, so, yeah, it, it ruined an otherwise promising performance because I think Stroll would have got some solid points because he was in that lead group with the likes of Sainz, Hamilton, Ricardo, and Russell. But, and, and he was there for some time, but he just completely ruined the race for himself when things got difficult and he made it worse for his teammate who could have got in the points as well. And Stroll very much outperformed Vettel this weekend, but he completely ruined it for himself. Uh, so yeah, two stars for him. Alpha Tauri. Wow. Very well, easy. Yeah. Quite well, easy. even there. Well, that, that was another one. Didn't um, Stroll drive <laughs> into the back of Gasly or something when it was oh, really he spun yeah, him around, was, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so um, that's not even another thing for Lance Stroll. Jesus, you wouldn't want to sign him up for an no, insurance, I'm, I'm would you? Take, yeah, I'm giving Stroll two. Give Stroll <laughs> two. Demoting it. You take, take one of your stars away. Oh, man. how Are you paying too much for your car insurance? Yeah. <laughs> don't, oh, man. Imagine Aston Martin getting like multi-car deal with Admiral or something like that. If UK viewers will know what I'm talking about, but yeah. Premiums would be high. Our insurance, yeah. our insurance companies are available. <laughs> well, it'd be like you'd be like getting insurance, like when you when you're 17 and you get and you get your first car, you get insurance like off your parents' insurance, and you do it like that. I could imagine something similar for Formula One, where Lawrence Stroll is getting. Ironically, Lawrence is probably one of the only people that could afford the insurance for uh, Lance. The way that things are going at the moment. Again, I'm I'm joking, of course, but uh, please don't kill me, uh, Lawrence. Um, I'll cancel you? Yeah, please don't cancel me, Lawrence. Um, I love Aston Martin. Uh, particularly the DB the DB9 but um, anyway that's that's my invite to ask any Aston Martin showrooms in the future gone uh, never mind anyway look I, I digress we're getting off topic again but uh, yeah Alpha Tauri uh, Pierre Gasly P13 I'm just flicking through Sonoda P17 qualifying uh, I mean Gasly is usually a brilliant qualifier he was very disappointed to the point where he was slapping on the halo quite emphatically after qualifying for not making it to Q3. Sonoda, it was one of his better qualifying performances, amazingly. He P13, but um, he just fell down the order in the race and he was underwhelming once again. I mean, the comments David Coulthard made about him, whilst they were rather inappropriate, I suppose, to some cultures for however you took them. But in some regards, I think the performances of Yuki Sonoda this season and what we expect of him next season isn't going to be doing him any favours if he wants to stay in Formula 1 beyond 2022. So uh, it's been another difficult weekend for Alpha Tauri. Once again, not scored points. Uh, how would you rate their days out of five stars, Courtney? Going to give them two each. 
And again, that's been generous. They offer, I, I honestly forgot that Alpha Tower even competing in this Grand Prix this weekend, in mm. all honesty. Yeah. And I only remember Gasly because the stroll spun him around when he mm. got wet. So, you know, it was, it was one of those weekends. I mean, there's a lot of emphasis on where the excitement and the battles are. And of course, if you're outside the top 10, it's kind of hard to focus on that um, because there's not a lot going on there. But even still, this was a weekend I thought Alpha Tower might do a bit better. And it just didn't really work out. Maybe if Gasly qualified in Q3, he may have had a much better weekend. He's usually very good at those sort of things. But he's had a lot of bad luck. He really has, um, you know, with some front wing issues. He had another issue in practice, of course, as well. So, uh, yeah, they've got to find an answer, Alpha Terry, at some point to go, if they've got any chance to beat Alpine in this championship. But it's getting harder and harder and harder. Um, Who haven't we done? We haven't, I think we've only got one team left. Yeah, Haas. Okay. Says it all, really. <laughs> it does. Uh, do you know, I'm, I'm listing them off, and I, I've done them in different orders to what I normally do, so I'm thinking, ah, who haven't I done yet? Yeah, um, Haas. But yeah, Haas. Um, Nikita Mazepin and Mick Schumacher. Mazepin, of course, qualifying P17, which, uh, if I'm not mistaken, is his, is one of his best that he's done, um, although we, two of them didn't qualify. Mick Schumacher qualified P15, started 14th in the race, so not bad job from Mick Schumacher, all things considered. Emphatically faster than his teammate. Unfortunately, in the race, though, uh, Nikita Mazepin got a good, really good start, actually. I should say not unfortunate. Good for him at his home Grand Prix. Finished in P18, but last of the confirmed runners and a lap down on everybody else. And uh, Mick Schumacher had to retire the car early on, which was a shame for him. So um, what would you rate there, Days Courtney? Again, I've got there even there. I'm going to give him two each. Mate, do you know what? I'm going to give Mick two and a half for what he did in qualifying. There yeah. we go. Yeah, that's fair enough. One thing I like about Mick Schumacher in particular, and I've often sung his praises because I'm a Schumacher fanboy. Of course I am. Um, Have you noticed that since the Belgian Grand Prix where he paid homage to his dad's 30th anniversary at Belgium by wearing his uh, old crash helmet design, he's still wearing it. He's still wearing that same one. Um, Because obviously, normally he has the same design concept, but with the yellow helmet um instead of what he's wearing now but he's still wearing that old concept that is similar to his dad and for me i i think that's so wholesome and i love that and it, it looks great i think that suits I, I like mick's old helmet but i i like this one more just because of what it means and it looks really cool um ironically the only other driver that's actually worn anything similar is david coulthard uh back in monaco 1995 i believe it was very strange story with that that ain't got enough time to talk about that it's quite a boring one but yeah um, I'm going to agree with you on that one, Courtney. Two stars for Mazepin and two and a half for Mick as well. Three for Mick, really. It was unfortunately retired. So, uh, And he did get himself a bit further up the order a little bit before he had to retire. So it was a shame for him. But yeah, three stars for Mick because uh, I'm biased. But uh, yeah, guys, I think that's pretty much wrapped up everything, Courtney. Unless there's anything else that you wanted to add to this episode. We've covered, yeah, we've covered everything today, mate. We've covered everything. Yeah, in quite some depth as well. I'm just realising the time. Incidentally, guys, just one cheeky little plug as well. We're not going to be having a DNF1 podcast on Friday. We had one episode last week. We're going to have one episode again this week, which is, of course, the review we're doing now. Uh, and the reason for that is because in celebration of Lewis Hamilton's 100th Grand Prix win in Formula One, we have, we're going to publish a video uh, where we rank Lewis's all-time top 10 wins in Formula One. Plenty to choose from, but of course, if you are intrigued in how we rated our list for Lewis's top 10 wins, you can check that video out, which comes out on Friday on the DNF1 channel. Please subscribe to the channel. We are hoping to get to 500 subscribers soon. It's been a bit slow, but of course, you know, these things happen, but we're really appreciative and grateful for all of you that have supported us. But of course, if you haven't subscribed to the channel yet, 
please consider doing so. You won't regret it. And of course, if you're also following us on your favorite podcasting platforms as well, thank you so much for supporting us. We're growing all the time and that's all down to you guys offering your support to us and we're really appreciative of that as well. But until next time, guys, we have to say uh, goodbye, sayonara, and we will see you at the, I don't know why I said that, we'll see you at the uh, Turkish Grand Prix preview. So until then, stay safe. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you in the next episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. Take care. Podcast Network.